Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. Join your hosts as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things kings of war. Well, welcome to Counter Charge. I'm Rob Fanuff, and I'm here with Ronnie Renton. Hello, Rob. Hi, everybody. How are you? Fantastic. We were just chatting offline. Uh, we missed you at Adepticon this year. Oh, I was gutted. I, occasionally, family has to come first. It's not happened many times in the last, but 21-year-old daughter, I'm bang in the middle of the show. So um, um, the riot act was red, and money had to behave. So at least everyone else got to enjoy themselves. They don't have to put up with me causing trouble and breaking everything as usual. Well, you sent the right people. Kyle and Martin and Pat held it down well. Yeah, no, and it was really good. It really felt like it was um, back to normal, better than back to normal. It felt like it was you know, a really big event. We had a really great presence there, both on the gaming floor, in the big bags, and, and at the tournament scene. You know, and they were all acting independently. There was people just getting on and playing. Some people coming down shopping, people that never seen us taking a demo, you know, all parts felt like they were back to 100%. Registration was up. Yeah. The number of demos you did were up. Yeah. The number of players was up from last year. Yeah. I don't know the final numbers, but by just being on the floor, it definitely felt like a large, a much larger show. I mean, they're running out of room. Yeah, they are, which I remember when they moved in there and they were panicking, you know, about the, the numbers that were attending. And then just pre-pandemic, they were starting to look. Just they were squeezing and they'd look to the place next door, but it was still a couple of years away. The pandemic really set it back a long way. And now I think they're, you know, they've come roaring back. And from what I've heard, it was full, more than full. Having to move Middle Earth and Song of Ice and Fire to another hotel was kind of like, okay, they must be running out of room when you're moving big events like that over. Yeah. So, no, you know, exactly. hey, more, more space for us. Exactly. Secondary, you know, we've still got, you know, Dreadball, the game that won't die, but then you still, you know, Armada's come roaring in with, was it 30 something? Yeah, 26 players, 26 which was players, great. Yeah, um, and Fulham with the waiting list, and then, you know, Kings of War, obviously another huge one with Teams event. Just, this is great. It's great to see. Brilliant. Get it once. You have a good problem, which is you have too many good games. <laughs> yeah. And not enough days or time to avoid the overlap. We had 45 in Adepta Clash, and then they had almost, I think they had 20 for Dead Zone, and they were running parallel yeah. to each other. Yeah, no, that's really got to make a choice because there's just not enough hours in the day to um, to cover all of our tier ones, never mind include the tier twos in there, you know. Big shout out to Pat. He did a great job with the new location for the booth. I happened to be right by where they had the Conquest tournament, so that was a lot of fun. <laughs> well, that's, that's the opposition. We've got to make sure they don't get to the traction. I mean, you know, we, we're of a size, and I think that's where we're so pleased with the quality of plastics we've got coming through now that we can really go on a front foot because for a couple of years, the halvings were very good. The Rift Forge Orcs, I just wasn't quite happy as I wanted to be. I wanted to get better and better every time. And we kind of leveled out. And I'm like, no way, we just can't level out. We've got to get better. And now we've got the new Archon plastics coming through. Bang, we can just press the press the big red button that goes, go, go, go. And um, so, you know, we, we, we want to put uh, we want to put some some turbocharged nitroglycerine into the Kings of War recruitment. So the ambush sets are kind of doing that, the new plastics. I think we're spending more on plastics this year than we've ever spent, even in the initial years when we were only Kings of War and only hard plastic. We're really pumped about the just sheer volume of cool things. And we're getting to armies now where we're not just doing the first set. 
you know, we're getting the second set, the third set in hard plastics, which we haven't done since the early 2010s. A big Nightcrawler release coming up in May with some Butchers and some Reapers. Reapers and Reapers and Butchers and Screechers. So all new, exciting things starting to happen. So I think that's what's really great is we're able to just really get behind the game in a way that we've never been able to before, you know. And just as we're about to do it on the back of third, the pandemic hit. You know, so literally the point we were like, yeah, let's go, let's recruit, here we are. Actually, stay at home, don't play any games this year, do nothing. Uh, Okay, Uh, okay. Well, time to paint that army, I suppose. (laughs) Or that fleet. Yeah. Uh, The Armada fleet. Correct, absolutely. Well, let's jump in. We want to talk about Dungeon Saga Origins. Obviously, that's going to be hitting Kickstarter on March 30th. So I guess I'll start with, why are you so fanatical about dungeon crawlers? <laughs> this, this, yeah, it's a good question. There's two reasons. There's two big reasons, really. Um, and the first one, well, depends which way. There's no first one. There's kind of two, and they're roughly in parallel. I don't know about you, but this hobby has given me an awful lot of enjoyment over my lifetime. It's taken me all around the world. Um, I've met the most fantastic people, and I've never stopped enjoying meeting people and playing games. And I am predominantly a miniature gamer. I am not a board gamer. I've played board games. And when I was a kid, there was like five board games that I wanted to play, and it wasn't Monopoly. It was Chainsaw Warrior and Battle Cars. And But but what my first and first love before you know sitting on games was was toy soldiers it was you know airfix it was world war ii it was napoleonics historical war games i've played with miniatures from the first thing i could pick up through to still this day so i'm now when I joined Games Works, when I was just looking over my shoulder, I, I've got the first edition of the Warhammer rules. I was in this hobby before this hobby existed. You know, right behind me, I've got I've got the Citadel Great Imperial Dragon. You know, that was that. In the, it, I, I've got the first set of Warhammer rules. And now I've got 21-year-old kids, as we were just talking about. And I've got an 18 and 19-year-old boy. And I've got a 15-year-old boy. And during lockdown, even though I've got my own damn miniatures and gaming company, I didn't have a game I could play with them. I couldn't show them a snippet of my hobby because my hobby's pretty hardcore. Kings of War's pretty out there. Dead Zone's full on. Now, by the time Rafe was 12, I was playing Walking Dead with him and I was playing Dead Zone with him. But when he was 10 and his brother was 12 and I wanted to play a dungeon crawler, I got Dungeon Saga out and I had to comp it. I had to, and basically, you know, you've got about 17 seconds from getting the kids in the room to them rolling dice or they're gone, they're back on their Xbox. And so I realized that I'd gone from being the young kid who's discovering this to the old man, the old man of the sea, who hasn't put the product out that allows everybody to go, you know, guys, tonight we're actually going to play a bit of what I do. Not all of it. Hell no. Just a little slither. And I think you're going to understand why moving miniatures and rolling dice is great fun and so from a from a perspective as a as a 15 something year old guy i don't want any other dad or mum or partner to go through the point of missing the chance to game with their kids to share some of what we do and that's what this this that's a little bit of this is that i missed it and i'm embarrassed by it and i wanged it winged it but actually there's there's no way like where is the 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 dungeon crawler 
game that allows people to have a little slither of rolling dice and moving miniatures without having to play 40k, without having to paint 200 Kings of War figures. So that's the one big one. I think it's for all of the dads, the uncles, the, you know, the people that love this and want to say, I love it, but, I, you know, unless you dedicate your life to it, you can't do it, but let's do this. Why Dungeon Crawler? Because it's the most narrative. It's the it's the gateway into something deeper and darker. And everybody now knows what a goblin is, an undead is, a skeleton is, a dwarf is, a barbarian is, a, a female ranger is. So it's the best way of showing in a board game setting our hobby. So I call it a miniatures game. It's a miniatures board game. And part of it is very important to me as a as a dad and as a uncle and as a person who wants to show people gaming groups of a hobby. And the other part of it is this is it's, it's too evocative and it's too classic. And there's not one out there. You know, there's Hero Quest. It's 20 years old. It plays like a 20-year-old game and it's uh, 150 bucks. Ours is 50 bucks. You're playing it in 20 minutes and it's designed last year. It, it, it plays like it. It's slick and you're going to enjoy it. And so I want people to, to, to find out Mantic and find out Panithor and find out Heroes. If you think about it, Mantic's got a very long history with dungeon crawlers. You go back to 2011, you had Dwarf King's Hold, yeah. you had Green Menace. Now, I know those were maybe simpler, like one shots, if you will, but you could see the DNA there. And then obviously 2014, you had Dungeon Saga and Kickstarter. And, and so this is maybe the next evolution. Well, it, it, it is an evolution, but you know, there was quite a clamor. I mean, it, it never stopped selling Dungeon Saga, you know, and, and suddenly what's happening is you're looking at these miniatures going, well, we sculpted those, not digitally. You know, this was probably the last non-digital product we did. We learned a whole load with Walking Dead. We learned even more with Hellboy. The production quality we've got, the packaging we've got. When people unpacked that first box, we kind of dumped it all in a box and, here you go, you know, there's a box of stuff and plastic Fish yourself out of it. Yeah, that's not okay. By Hellboy, we've got beautiful trays, space for everything to go back in the box. It looks amazing. There's nothing bendy. Everything's sculpted beautifully. And I realize we can't keep selling an eight-year-old game, but boy, oh boy, do people want to keep playing adventures? Do they want to go on quests? Yeah. And so what we've been able to do is I think there was six or eight quests in the first Dungeon Saga, and then there were six in the follow-on ones. Well, there's 10 in each of these ones. There's 40 quests in the Kickstarter edition. The plastics, not bendy, not going to break, not going to need to be dipped in a cup of hot water. And this is the starting point. The setup takes seconds. Flip out the tile, get your quest book out, put down what they can see. Let's start moving figures. Let's start rolling dice. One minute, two minutes. If you pre-read this, the, the campaign, you can play it. You know, If you pre-read the, the quest, you're up and running in seconds. You've got exploration. You've got treasure chests. You've got upgrades. You've got buffs. You've got feats. Okay, away we go. You've got different baddies that get tougher as you go. So people want narrative. They want to play. We want to give it to them. We could no longer in all consciousness, in my conscience, I couldn't keep selling the old Dungeon Saga. I loved it, but it wasn't. We couldn't build on it. We couldn't write anything new for it, and we couldn't support it. So let's start again. But let's do it as a prequel. Let's honour what they've got. Let's en enjoy that journey as we had it. And I'm sure once this is done and out of the way, here will be the ability to replay some of those games using this. We'll write it as a scenario pack because it's meant too much to too many people, but it doesn't need to be this one.
this is a new story. Same heroes or new story. Dungeon Saga had a lot of expansions. It was a lot of it was colorful. But as you said, if if the framework there was difficult to add new stuff down the road, it makes sense to go back and rebuild the house. Years of life is coming up. That's what we're able to do, which we couldn't do with where we were with Dungeon Saga. It was it's run its it's run its race. It was a wonderful race, but to keep going at it, to keep going back to it, would have just wasn't right. You know, it was it it needed it needed to start again. And so we've gone back and preceded it. We've started before it. Here's your new heroes. Here they are, right at the very beginning, and we're going to take you through the next their first forty adventures. So the, you know the amount of gameplay in this in this legendary edition is just crazy. It's you know everything you need to keep you going for quite some time. But the charm is you you set it up. You'll be playing in six minutes, and um, you'll play for an hour, an hour and a half, and then you want to do it again and again and again. Yeah, that's the tricky part, though, right? We're living in modern times where the expectation is you have a streamlined game system that is easy to learn and difficult to master, which is the DNA of Mantic. But at the same token, you may have some of the more veteran, long-in-the-tooth players that were playing the old Dungeon Saga. So it's always hard. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And that's where we had to make a choice. And what we've done is we've said, if you like Dungeon Saga, you're going to love this. Because nothing's been taken out in terms of there's no, it's not simpler. It's just the things that slowed the original game down don't do that now. We've found different ways of doing the same things, but we've added exploration. You know, that was a whole section that was missing from Dungeon Saga 1. Now, every time you've had a go, I'm going to explore. Is there a secret passage? If not, card from the exploration deck. Hey, random encounter. Hey, some treasure. Hey, some loot. Okay, so we've now added. So in no ways... I don't want to feel like um, we've taken things away. We've left everything that's in there, just made it slicker and easier. And then we've added things back on because we've now got a slicker, easier game. So you don't need to be messing around doing things that aren't worth doing, like bashing through doors. Okay, you stand there and it take you three goes to get through a door. And that was only interesting because of the timer mechanic. For the timer mechanic, limit the overlord because he only had so many cards. So he said, well, wait a second. Let the Overlord do what he wants. He's the GM. Give him his give him his characters. Let him get on with it. He's got his options. Right, if you want to go up to a door, you go up to a door, you open it, you go through. You find what's on the other side. Much quicker, much slicker, much more fun. Because what you're doing is fighting opponents, not fighting a door that can't hit you back. And all you're waiting for is two sixes, you know? So I think there's a lot more there. And then what we can do, now we've got a beautiful base game is we can put expansion packs on that said, here's how you level your characters up, levels 1 through 10, 10 through 20, 20 through 30. Here's more scenarios. Here's more things. and we, we, We've got loads of plans. We've got loads of ideas. We've got no hard, firm plans yet. But what we knew is we needed a concrete base to start building the house on. The obvious question is when we get into Star Saga Origins. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think this is, I think, yeah, for sure. I mean, have we finished with with sci-fi? No, not even not even close. And I think there's so many funky things we've got coming up for our sci-fi universe. Just even this year, I think what we've probably done. I'm probably leaking a little bit here, but we've gone uh, into the dungeons, so the kind of starting point for your fantasy, and we've gone the other way with the sci-fi. Some of the sci-fi stuff at the end of this year is very veteran. We had a great firefight tournament turnout at Adepticon as well. We had. 
close to 20 players. So, I mean, and that's the first one. Yeah, no, absolutely. And they're building. We've got a couple going in the UK. I think there's some stats coming. And, you know, it takes a year from launching to get your army painted. And we've got some really good fun. It's just going to, there's a book coming later in the year. Clean up everything that just needs to be polished up and and, 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 and improved and tweaked. And then a whole new way of... Uh, of having some fun with your forces. I think people are going to go crazy for it. I don't think I'm allowed to talk about it just yet, but I think when you, when you, if, you like, if you like firefight, you're going to love what we're going to do with it. it, it you know, firefight stays the same, just those little balancing issues are going to get sorted. But how about if you want to do it this way? And I'll tell you what, we'll, I'll come back on and, and talk about it when we do, because I think you're going to go, I think you're going to love it. Probably an obvious question, but or obvious answer, but what's your favorite hero from Dungeon Saga? <laughs> Ronnie the Bard, obviously. You know what I mean? I've loved the Bards. Everyone loves the Bards. Who cannot who cannot love the Bard? Definitely not the dwarf. You know, you hit on in a roundabout way what makes a good dungeon crawler. You're gonna have the modern technology of the new miniature production that you've got in Poland, where you've been putting out these great miniatures for Kings of War. And obviously we saw some stuff at Adepticon, some new sprues coming out in the May time frame. Are we talking hard plastic here for the miniatures? Miniatures are gonna be the same as the um Kings of War and Hellboy figures. So, you know, okay. very robust all we've learned about strong PVC so that they are one place and built because I want a game. It's, it's board to tabletop in super quick time. But when you see the Kickstarter, the plastics are incredible. They're incredible. Christmas morning, you get the box, you open it up 10 minutes later, you're playing the game. Correct. And you really are. You really will be. We'll have a mini adventure in there for um, just you know, how to move and shoot, how to magic and um, sorry, move and fight. Magic and shoot. The group will meet up. Scenario one. Right, you know how to play, you know how to move, you know how to fight. If you know what you're doing, you don't even have to do that one. It will just be a start here to learn the basics. And yeah, so that's that. And then and then all of our Kings of War uh, is all either hard plastic or resin. And the resin is only going to be for the, you know, occasional hero models and, um, and where you need to, um, you know, just weapon options on a few of the rank and flank. Yeah, with the new plastics, the new... Screecher, Butcher, and Reaper Leapers. There's so many weapon options on there. You're going to have all of them in plastic. You know, Northern Alliance following quickly on the back of. Uh, and so all the PVC for Kings of Wars will be gone. And we're just going to slowly work our way through. And every time we come back and do an army, there'll be no more PVC. So no more monopos, no regiments in that. You know, they'll be taken out. And I think two new unit option types with the Reapers, with the Leapers and the um, Screechers. Um, totally new unit for Northern Alliance. And then a kind of slight amalgam of where we're looking at how that kind of army works because it was the first time when we launched it that we'd really been anywhere near the IP. We came out for Vanguard, went into Kings of War. I think it's one of the most iconic and interesting armies. I mean, it's got a real narrative that we want to play with. You know, it's a good counterpoint to the Basileans. So holier than thou, obnoxious. Um, whereas actually, you know, the um, Northern Lions are kind of vicious hippies. Will we be seeing these characters in Kings of War? I know most of them are currently in Kings of War. Yeah, I mean, if if there's some unlocks or some uh, daily reveals on our Kickstarter, there might be some more heroes. We might be getting some of those and uh, every day. So there's, obviously we'll, we'll we'll be putting the armies in where they appear and, 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 and having some fun with them in the Clash of Kings 2024 book and, um, and pulling them out there because um, we're going to be working very hard. We've literally got all the assets set in, and the printers and the, the tool makers, and we're, we're almost, um, we're going to push to have this delivered in December, the Dungeon Saga. So we're going to- uh, This year? Yeah. We're going to try and get it out as a Christmas, under the Christmas tree type of thing. We can't promise it, because you know, there's just a lot of moving parts. 
but our schedule and time frame that we're going to share with everyone is um, on Christmas Day, on Boxing Day, if you want to play this game. It could be. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna try our best to make sure it's there for you. The Kickstarter for Dungeons and Saga Origins is going live March thirtieth. What's the pledge levels? Do you, have you have you thought those through yet? Like yeah, this? there's there's two. There is the legendary game, and the legendary game is the four heroes, the undead. We started again with the undead, which also allows people that bought the previous one that just wants to upgrade. You know, at some point. At retail, the undead will come out and you can just upgrade. It's also, once it hits retail next year, everybody knows skeletons, zombies, zombie trolls, revenants. It's a wonderful starting point. Everyone knows what the bad guys are and you kind of intuitively know how tough they are. So it's a great starting point. You get the tiles and all of that. Ten quests, and that's where you're just getting started and they're starting to level up. Quest book two. And so I think that's the um, is the glimmer of greed goblins again, and this is very much number two. Um, goblins, iconic, great fun, little bit of humor, nice counterpoint to the undead. You get the Abyssal Dwarf expansion, and you get the Twilight Kin expansion. You get all four of those in one great big gigantic box. So basically, we're not putting the retail version up for sale. If you want it, it's going to be 60, 50, 60 bucks next year. Wait, because for 100 bucks, you can get that and, and four times as much of that. So what we're going to do is you've got legendary and then there's a few add-ons like uh, a GM screen, uh, a dice mat, a kind of tidy up mat where you can have your discard cards and everything. So uh, you've also got the terrain that people might want to upgrade the card into the plastics. So then we've just got one extra add-on, which is the uh, ultimate pledge. So you've got legendary get, pledge and ultimate. And the ultimate is just uh, all of that stuff in one click. Sounds amazing. And obviously the artwork that you've been putting out for the Twilight Kin in regards to Dungeon Socket Origins is, is going to carry over into what we're going to see in the fall. Correct. Martin did a great job of being very vague and ambiguous. Yeah, and, and I think it's going to be, you know, the last, I think, really big release we had for King's Wars, the Halflings, and I think we did a great job because I think we put out a plastic set. I think we nodded in the direction of things that make Halflings Halflings, while at the same time making them vicious, proper army not a clown army. And I think also built the Mantic Panithor story of halflings and how they live. And so having the starter unit, the, the vanguard, the best troops is your chefs because they go ahead, clear the area, build the camp. They have to kill anything they come across. But what really made the character was the aeronauts, was the rifle guys on the back of the trolls using the harvesters. But it was a real tough army. They fight, they're quick. The guys on dogs, you know, they're around... Because I said to them, don't make an army of people with upside down pans on their head. You know, that was fun 30 years ago. It's not fun now. It's not what you want. You want to have a, an army that's your army. And I think they did that beautifully. I think then with the um, Riffforge Orcs and the Dry Undead and the Ogres, we were coming back to things we'd done and just turning them from PVC into plastic or metal hybrids into plastic. Adding the beautiful resin kits that we never got to do the first time round, they were refreshing rather than inventing. And I think with the Twilight Kin, we've we've gone to right. 
who are these guys, where are they, what do they do? And it's it's brutal. It's savage. You know, these are dipping in and out of the uh, of the war, and they are coming back more and more twisted. They're slave drive. They're evil. They're bad. And um, there's a whole load of fun, and and the art, and the story, and the gameplay style is all evolving, just like it did with the halflings. So that what you then experience is, you know, how do we make halflings interesting? We'll make them blocks of units and dogs that fight together. So they're quick. You know, we know they're not going to be the toughest, most, uh, you know, toughness armor. So make them a, a, a big, considerable force that piles across. Now, the, the style of these is entirely different. Almost couldn't be more different. But you know, all of the things keep getting better and, and, and evolving off each other. We see the game style. We tweak the miniatures. The miniatures then inform a new story and some more IP and oh it just keeps um I'd say get better it just gets darker and more evil <laughs> yeah I mean I think what you're trying to do is when somebody looks at this model they're gonna go that's a mantic model yeah yeah and this is a this is a well thought out interesting army and I want to play it and you know I think I'm just you know Tris Moran who was a pathfinder for a few years ago and then kind of drifted away did something else just came back last like two days ago someone on Facebook was like I'm back and um those half things look damn fine. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's because if you've got that leaning, you want to try something new, it, you know, building armies is part of the hobby, isn't it? Playing, building, tweaking, amending your force, getting beat, learning from it, winning, adding some more of what's strong. It's kind of half the joy and um, painting it up and getting a new theme for it. And so what we're going to do is when you see it, you go, wow, that is something I want to do. That's a hobby project. I want to undertake and some people will have it sprayed glued painted and be gaming with it because theirs is the gaming aspects and others will take 73 months building something that our jaws will hit the floor when we see it and go oh my god how did you do that and we want it to be as valid for everybody that wants to do whatever they want to do with it i'm assuming dwarves are gonna have to come some point with all these great night stalkers and twilight kin and other things i mean the, the dwarves are getting a little long in the tooth run. Well, this is what a company man I So the studio manager, Matt, had them down for this year. He'd sculpted them. He's got the plastics. And I said, no, we're not doing it. No, 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 no. Now, so I, I kicked him down the road because I wanted to do something really big and bonkers and crazy. And I threw out the Twilight Kin and everyone went, yeah, okay, let's do that. And I didn't want to, I wanted to, I actually wanted to do some fun with the dwarves and tease out the difference between the Imperial and the free dwarves. So I'm playing the long game, basically I'm going to get two dwarves army for the price of one. You know, I, you know that's, uh, but you're going to see, I may have just sneaked some, some dwarf. Did you see the uh, dwarves in the Northern Alliance? We did. And it was clear that that's part of the free, they're going to be part of the free dwarf army. Yeah, yeah. that's what you start to see now, the Brocks. So, you know, big reveal, but the dwarfs in the Northern Alliance army are riding ravens and crows and throwing bombs on their enemies. And uh, they've got a fly, flying unit and it looks absolutely jaw-dropping. I hope you'll agree. We saw the 3D sculpts and that's just another example of, it's not Warhammer, right? Like we, yes. you're, you're, you know, in Warhammer, you had dwarves on foot. That's it. And I think by adding, in, in, or even Tolkien, you could argue, right? And it's yep. just, it's, it's, oh, it's man, it's manticified. And that's what you're gonna do without shoving it down your neck. You know, if you want to play a, a dwarf army with cannons and infantry, you do it. But actually, when you're playing a dwarf army, I want my Brox, I want my steel behemoth, I want my flying things. 
whoa, and each one's got a different style, and okay, that's cool, and and you know, okay, I can use those on a Northern Alliance army, so the unit can flip across. And when we're doing those, it's starting with the Night Stalkers a bit, but really going big by that. So the Night Stalkers have on their bases uh, terrain pieces, like little ruins, so that you can actually build in, and they're not coming with three forty mil bases; they're coming with a regiment base. Because the whole point of kind of Kings of War, and it took us a long time to be this brave, but it's like building those dioramas, building your unit dioramas. So let's lean into it. Let's give you some plastics to dot around. Let's give you the unit base so that you're straight away just building it the way it's going to be. And those flying Northern Alliance dwarfs are built to be just show to the profile is of the unit, not of the individual model. So are you a free dwarf person? I was always a traditional imperial. I mean, that's why I went imperial. It was that dwarf imperial dwarf range from the 90s, the metal figures that I always loved. And I was like, okay, we'll do that. We'll take them in that direction and then build on from there. And now I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm maybe getting old, I'm turning into a hippie or something. Um, I'm probably realistically both, but whether I'll actually have, ever get around to... Um, so Kyle was in my office like sometime last year and he's like, I've got the cabinet in the corner and he was that's a dwarf army I was like yeah it's my dwarf army and he said well who painted it <laughs> I said I did and he said oh oh you actually have an army oh what do you think you actually <laughs> so you know it's a slight myth I don't have any painted armies and but then I did just nearly finish it and then we had the pandemic so I think those two things are connected somehow if I actually ever finish my dwarf army, it's, it's over. So, yeah, I don't know if I'd be able to start again, but I think probably the way I've painted it, we could probably play it in as a both. But, you know, when the new plastics arrive, you're like, no, definitely not. Definitely. Oh, uh, yeah, I am. I am. Yeah, it's a big year for plastics. We, we covered some of them, obviously, at the Mantic Open Night. And, uh, but you know what else is interesting is the way you guys are engaging and selling the product. You know, one of the things is you really changed your view on Kickstarter. I mean, you know, 2010, you know, through at some point, a lot of Kickstarter. You guys were like a top 10 company as in terms of revenue generated from Kickstarter. But over the years, it's it feels like you've really pulled back and said, look, we're just going to Kickstarter almost board games uh, and maybe the occasional terrain piece. I mean, I think the games that are, that are standing on their own two legs like Kings of War, you don't have to go to Kickstarter anymore. So crowdfunding has evolved a lot in the last, you know, 15 years. What are you seeing? Oh, yeah, good question. Uh, so... We, I had a choice, and it was around um, Dungeon Saga time, to either build products that were going to sell for the duration and the lifetime of the product, or to be a Kickstarter company. And you have to decide which one you're going to be, and then you have to be it. And you can't fake it. You can't um, make Kickstarter products and then get a trade release out of them. Um, it just doesn't work. You have to, you can design a retail product and then package them together to give a Kickstarter. Will it be as exciting as, as something that's only Kickstarter ever, ever? Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, when we did our trees, you know, our sci-fi terrain crate three, we've got a huge tooling project. I think that product will sell for the next five years. Then when you go to Adepticon next year, there'll be 20 tables with it. You know, when we do some of our releases and when people are building terrain, you know, building the dioramas for Kings of War, you'll be adding it and Infinity players will be dotting it around because it's just interesting and unique. 
and fun, but it was designed, you know, for a retail range. And what we got was some great support with people for helping us tool it. And they get, a, in exchange, a fantastic deal because we're just getting it straight to them. And all they're paying for is the cost and helping the tooling. So it's done. So this year, we're probably going to be 70, 80% through, through trade and web and shows and, and 20% Kickstarter. Now, I think we'll end up having, and I really hope we'll have two or three blockbuster Kickstarters. You know, over each year, we have one Stonkalak Hellboy was brilliant. And that was our first big license. And we've got another couple that I think could really be really good fun. But what we'll do is, here is everything you'll ever want for this game. All of it in one box. Here you go. And then actually, normal people, <laughs> here is the retail version that you'll go down to your Barnes & Noble or your Target uh, or your local board game store and you'll buy it. But very often those games we won't sell. Mantic won't sell. We will give them to Asmodee or we'll give them to Legion and they'll, you know, the, the local language company will, will do them because they've got 50 salesmen and they can sell 10 copies each and that's what they do. And what we'll be selling is Night Stalkers, Twilight King. You know, we'll be at Depticon, we'll be at Clash of Kings, we'll be at, you know, Lone Wolf, uh, we'll be at US Masters popping along saying, hi, here's some cool things for you. Because our core, our core, our 70% business is, 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 is miniature wargaming. And then we do board games because we're talking to ace licensees, we know how to make games. But if it doesn't have a hand grenade, a sword, a dragon, or a uh, miniature in it, we're not going to do it. Someone else can do that. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, I I think it sets you up for long-term viability as a company, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you're always yeah. one. If you have three bad Kickstarters on the run, you, you're laying people off. You know, you've, you've got, that's it. And all that talent and all that experience is walking out the door. So I want the business to be running on what we sell every day and every week through our trade partners, through our retail stores, through our bricks and mortar. Um, and then we have these little things that we build in the background, come along, pop up for two or three weeks, here it is. It's crazy, crazy stuff. But we're cutting out all the middlemen for this. But this is only going to appear. So, you know, the, the Legend Edition is never going to see print other than in the next two weeks. If you don't jump on board, if this journey isn't for you or you want to waive retail, that's, that's super cool. If you want to go crazy deep, you're going to get it at less than half price. It's going to be 80%. You know, it's going to be 40% of the normal retail price. And you're going to get all these extra cool things. You know, in exchange, you've got to do it now. <laughs> I mean, there's something to be said with having that spike of revenue. That It kind of helps the ebbs and flows of a traditional business, right? Massive. And we can plan for it. It's all up front. We can do the print run. We can get the tooling made. We can talk to our retailers about their retail launch. We can coordinate all of that. And in exchange for that help, we give a massive thank you, which is just, you know, you're going to get, if you know, 200 at retail if, if this came out as a box at retail it would be 250 dollars 300 dollars for you know 100 and a little bit is my guess you know 100 and something with the exchange rate um but you, there's no market for a 300 dollar product but there is a kickstarter for 100 something dollars where you go well i I'd, I'd pay that on a normal retail version but i'm going to get 40 i'm going to get that and all its expansions and this is something i want to do so i'm on board and that allows us to plan, allows us to get the tooling made, get everything exactly as we want it. And then, then we've you know got a solid bedrock 
for, for going forward. And that's what I'm saying. We're going to have 10 years of Dungeon Saga on the back of this, as we have with Kings of War. You know, Kings of War kick-started, kick-started again and has then never been back. And actually, it, it's in better health now than it's ever been. We're doing more. We're doing twice, three times as much now as we ever did on Kickstarter. And we don't get one lump of cash. It comes in every month. We pay wages every month. We have tournaments every month. We have games every month. And now that's how we get our revenue as well. But, have, but, but don't get me wrong. Oh, my goodness, I love a good Kickstarter. Um, but I want it to be the cherry on the top of the business, not the business. I want I want my hobbyists to be engaging with Mantic all the time. Well, you've had some really great Kickstarters over the years. Obviously, Hellboy, you mentioned. I mean, you made a million dollars on the first Dungeon Saga. So, great. God willing, right? Yeah, that would, believe you me, that would be pennies from heaven. That would be the, just the dream. And that will, you know, that's and and what it will also mean is thousands of new people trying a Mantic game, trying a dungeon crawler, hopefully having fun at home with their family, with their gaming group. Hey guys, we played Ticket to Ride, we played Pandemic. Um, I'm just going to show you a little something a little different here, and it's so playable. That's the charm of it. It's it's just a little hint of our miniature game. But if we if we go do a million dollars, then we'll have done a whole load of um, people will be having a lot of fun playing a dungeon crawler. Yeah, and there's a lot of games that kind of cross that line that are the the gateway into tabletop wargaming, and and certainly not tabletop wargaming is a hobby onto itself, and it's not for everyone. It's a hobby commitment. It's a time commitment. But you know, a game like Dungeon Saga is positioned to hey, you you like these models? You painted them. Would you like to do that a hundred times? Yeah. yeah. If so, then 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 go there, right? And if not, that's fine. I think it has a foot in both camps. I think it's one of those ones. It's if, if you look through this eye, it's a board game. I take these miniatures out, I put this tile down, and I'm playing. And I think that's very unintimidating for a lot of people. Don't want to go much further than that. But if this this looks like fun, and I want to level up, you know, it's like a computer game. You know, I kill the boss, I get a legendary item. I finish my adventure, I go to the store and I buy some buffs and then I go on my next one. And that's, you know, it's Hellboy has a bit of that, but this has it explicitly. It's built around quest, reward, play, quest, reward, play. But if you look through this eye, it's just a straightforward board game. You don't need to paint them. You don't need to do anything with them. You put them down, you roll your dice. The end of the session, you put them back in the box, you go away. Or... (laughs) You know, and I think what I'll be backing is exactly like people like me and like you that goes, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get it and I'm going to paint them all up. And then in February, I'm going to bring this along and we're all going to play this or I'm going to have an event in mind or I'm going to have, you know, under the Christmas tree and we're going to learn to paint together. And I've got my paints, but I'm not going to ask you to paint, you know, 200 space marines or 400, you know, undead zombies because, you know, that that's my old world of crazy. But you know what would you love? Which hero do you want to play? I want to play the Barbarian. I want to play the, uh, you know, Madriga, the Elf Ranger. Great. Let me show you how paint them. You know, let me show you. You sit down with this paintbrush and then you can paint them and then you can put that hero, all four of you, paint one each. We'll paint them in one session and then next week we'll play it. <sighs> okay. Yeah, I'd love to do that, Dad. Yeah, Uncle. You know, Auntie. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Great. Let's do that. Then you li- understand that's no longer... Uh, that piece of grey plastic. That's my Madriga. That's my Olaf. I'm playing Olaf. I'm playing Olaf. And when he does his whirlwind and takes all of the guys out, or when he takes a wound, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Ah, 
okay, now you're playing our game. Because when you put your paint on your army, it's no longer some old plastic kings of war plastics. It's it's Rob's, it's Rob's force. It's Rob's army. By diversifying your, all your products, you got feet everywhere, right? You got something <laughs> this, I mean, it's the perfect time to do that. I mean, obviously, we're seeing the softening of the board game market with companies like Hasbro and, and Asmodee saying organically, we're down year over year. Yeah. As you said, you're playing the long game. So you've got to position it to tap into all the different markets, including including board gaming or, you know, your hardcore tabletop board gamers. Yeah, correct. And I think it's a, it's a journey. Some people will never go further than this. Some may then come into like the Dreadball style of game where it's very it's a board game, but it's a miniature game where you go, look, I can dip that into that, play it competitively, play it for fun. Armada maybe, you know, where painting commitment, the time commitment as well as the financial commitment is much lower. And I can just pop it out and play it and it's a nice thing versus, you know, when you keep going dead zone and then keep going again, you've got firefight and kings of war. Um, uh, but I want you to live in my you know ecosphere and d- dabble in depending on the time you've got a choice, depending your audience, you've got a choice. You know, I'm sure there's nothing you enjoy more than a good weekend of um, adepticoning with adept clashing with your hardcore friends. But there's also times when you want to be around with much, with different audience and different people um, and, and have some fun with them, rolling some dice there. Most of the people that were playing Armada, maybe half were playing in the Kings of War event, right? So you had a lot of new faces and it's just nice. It's a nice opportunity to interact. It's a different vehicle. Yeah, correct. And, and a lot of people, you know, I, I enjoyed with Armada painting something different. I painted 28 mil figures for 20 years, obviously like two a year. But, um, <laughs> you know, getting the sales out, I'm going, whoa, this is a new challenge. I've got these techniques. How am I going to apply them to that? And it was just a whole lot of fun. Just totally eight weeks of different hobby experience. And, and you know, there's people that will have, have massive Space Marine armies that go, I don't fancy painting another Space Marine. I want to paint something different. And they look at Armada and go, well, nothing could be more different than that. It's sci-fi to fantasy. It's boats to humans. It's visually, it's blue, it's light. It's kind of... High fantasy. Oh, you know what? You have an elf fleet. I'm having a Baselian fleet. You have a dwarf fleet. Let's go. Let's have a few weeks of this. Something different. And then those guys appear in a tournament and they go, well, you know what? I'm going to play, you know, the 40k event all weekend. But on Friday, I'm going to go play Armada. New playing styles. That's why you go to tournaments. So you're not playing your, your local gaming crew. Well, it's something that Johnny Mann mentioned on one of our shows is that Armada is the perfect game because it doesn't replace something else yes. in your gaming repertoire, yeah. right? It's it's a it's a and plus, yeah. you got a guy playing 40K or you got a girl playing Song of Ice and Fire. You're not replacing anything with Armada because nothing else, there's nothing like that. It's there, it's good fun, it's welcoming to everybody. We've got, you know, we've, that's why we did the kind of recruitment while the gaming tournaments were on, you know, with um, Adepticon and Salute. We've got that 25% off because it was launched in the pandemic. And I think our fans were very, very grateful for a new hobby project. You know, you've been at home for a year. The truth is we spend most of 2021 at home. We certainly weren't going to Adepticon. We certainly weren't going to Gen Con in the numbers that we were. So having something fun to paint, something different to get on with. But we've never actually demoed it. (laughs) We've never really said, right, everyone's back at Adepticon. Everyone's back at Salute. We're going to be there. We're going to demo it. We're going to give it a show off. We've now got eight fleets. We've got new fleets. We've got a new book coming in May um, with interactive scenery and sea monsters. It's a vibrant game. It's a great fun game. It's an easy investment in terms of both time and money. It's a, a, a great, fun, exciting challenge. Happy days. It wins all round. 
here's the app. It's coming to the app in two, three weeks. So you're going to be able to build your army list on the Mantic Companion. It's going to have the rules up there. And we're going to be giving everybody a free boat. I'm looking forward to the app because I, I built my I built my fleet like it was like in 1995 with a piece of paper. Yeah. It was nostalgia, you know, going back to when you had to write out your army list yes, back in the 90s. What about Vanguard? We didn't really touch on Vanguard. You know, that's another game that's still kicking around. The, the difficulty that we have is that Vanguard may not share the same DNA as some of the other games. A little crunchier than other Mantic games. Yeah. You know, I, I know we talked to Kyle and he just basically said, look, when we figure out exactly a good idea of what to do with Vanguard, we'll do it. But we're still trying to figure that out. And what's your take on, on Vanguard and where it goes from here? Because it's sort of the, the the intro to Kings of War has been replaced by Ambush. Yeah, well, that's, that, it was that, that's what made everything clear for me, Rob. Because what happened was we tried to make... So if you think of Dead Zone... Get some scenery, you get a few figures, and you play. I call it a two by two by two. It's not, but it's properly a 3D game. And if you you played it, it's a real war game. And it, and I I've never liked playing a sci-fi game so much as that because I think it's just everything you want that a fantasy game doesn't do. <laughs> it's not six by four. It's not. 2D, essentially, you know, my units moving across to your boots, moving around things. And it's probably get up high and shoot at things and come in and it's claustrophobic and it's nervous and it's wonderful. But you can literally take those figures, put them, paint a few more, put them together and then play Firefight. And the first time, if you remember, we missed with that because Firefight wasn't a follow-on from Dead Zone. You could use the figures, but the gameplay wasn't. And then Warpath was different again. So you kind of, hey, learn three gaming systems and the only common element is your minis. You know, Andy Sharp and the guys did beautifully was Dead Zone now goes into Firefight. They've both got the mantic DNA of cleanness. Uh, D8, same words mean the same thing. Headstrong means I ain't running around. I'm not running away. You know, I'm getting back up and I'm shooting back at you. Um Vicious. So you've got the DNA. When you're learning it, you, you you're learning the next game without even knowing you're learning it. If you want to scale up, you want to scale down. I want to add tanks to it. I want to add flyers and vehicles. Good. I want to spread out a bit. Dead easy. It's just to scale up and scale down. And you literally move up and down. Vanguard is an infantry single infantry figure game, and Kings of War is a block of units game. And therefore, all you've maybe done is painted your heroes. Uh, but other than that, it isn't the same game. It's in the same world, but it's no more similar than Armada is. Really? You know, in fact, in some ways, Armada's base-shaped and 2D. So so I'm very excited by it, but I think what we've done is, and what you said, Ambush is the starter point for Kings of War. And I think we're going to probably put out some Ambush two-player sets to go with the ambush sets where we go here are some scenarios built for 500 point games you can do this next week next month glue them together pop them down you can be playing and over the next year you can go from here to a 750,000 1500 point game and if you remember one of the things that uh, originally I said to everyone was hey bring your king, bring your armor army <laughs> here's, here's, here's Uncharted Empires bring your armor army because I want you to try my game 
Now, every single one then thinks that that means that I like them playing with their Warhammer armies. That's not true. No, 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 no. That was just to get you in. You've now got to, you've actually got to go and get that plastic out from the box. And I don't think there's many people playing Kings of War that have at least one army. The problem is getting that army from the blinking box on your gaming table. And when you're two weeks before a tournament, you go, you know what? I've not painted it. I've not played with it. I'm going to take the old army. And and that's why, you know, our prizes are all about playing magic armies because it takes a load of effort. It takes a load of work. I probably had your money off you, but it's under your bed. It's on your shelf. And my job is there's so many awesome hobbyists. I want to see them. You know, Paul Walsh doing his uh, Night Stalker army. I want to see it. I had to go to him and say, don't give up, man. I know it's tough with the PVC, but I want to see what you're going to do because it's going to be fucking gorgeous. It's going to be drop mm-hmm. dead. Absolutely. And so that's why, you know, we're getting all the prizes and the flying guys from the US and the UK, and now they're doing pieces of art. And later in the year, we're going to have some really cool things that I've got planned that we'll have in time for Clash of Kings, and then they'll come out to the US shows next year. You know, anyone with a Mantic Army gets this. You get this present. It's a gift. So that we're just doing that encouragement, that nudging you along, because a Warhammer Dwarf Army and a Mantic Dwarf Army are not the same. There's a steel behemoth. There's Brock riders. There's going to be guys riding raven throwing bombs, you know? And that's where it becomes your army, our army, Panithor army. And therefore, but what's the hardest thing? It's painting it. It's gluing it together. It's getting it done. It's getting a theme done. We all got busy lives. So ambush might be a great way of just letting you start and try different army styles. I'm going to try Trident Realms. I'm going to do this. Okay, this is the one that I want to do a project with. And then I'd love to go back and really, that allows me to do whatever I want with Vanguard and make something amazing. And the reason we can't talk about it is I don't know what amazing is. I think it's something to do with the terrain. I think it's something to do with playing in an interesting place. I think it's something to do with leveling up and combos. And that's going to be a big old right, you know, in terms of getting a rule set that feels slick and fun like Dead Zone does. That's third edition. Um, how do we take Vanguard and make it slicker, faster, or do we start again? And how do we build a rule set? Because as soon as it doesn't have to feed into Kings of War, it can just be an awesome game, like Armada is. And I think when we come back to it, I'd love to drop an absolute, you know, drop the mic moment where everyone goes, that is a squad game. That is a competitive, compelling squad game. Oh my God. Ten figures, you know, of which you're going to take six. That's my roster. Yes. Leveling up. Yes. But I think that's got to be a really powerful, compelling story. So it won't be this year, might not be next, but we'll do something with it. In that context, you really could argue that it's kind of at that firefight level, right? If you yeah. At some point in the future, you have Warpath, right? Which is the equivalent of Tate, Kings of War. Then you've got Firefight. Vanguard might fill that role. Yeah. Or maybe it's slightly smaller. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because it's, it's sort of on the same par as Dead Zone. But, you know, that's the, I, I mean, the fact that you're freed up with, ambush freeing you up to not yeah. have to have an intro to kings of war it could just be an intro to panathor which is fine right uh we need we need both of those things Correct. and obviously martin spoke a lot about uh with us on the show that released today about the organized play kit that he's working on and how he will hopefully provide support to the retailers to hey let's get your stuff painted because as you said it's it's uh it's easy to get people to buy models it's hard to get them painted on the table 
And I think Ambush plays a massive role in that. And I think that's where, you know, we've come out of the pandemic and I keep referring to it, but our release schedule is a year, 18 months. You know, if I have a good idea, it's going to take me 18 months from now to getting it on in front of you and the world's changed by then. And so coming out of the pandemic, what is it we need to do? And actually very clear, we need to get back recruiting. We need to get help people playing again. Let's help demystifying it. And last year, I think all of that just took a little bit of a... Um, backseat to just the world opening back up again and, and I think the release schedule had switched away from kind of recruiter products and big game launches to supporting the last gaps for armies that we had because that's what people were at home I'm playing this I'm playing that and almost I think the halflings were designed before the pandemic and uh, came out after and were hugely successful and then we'd kind of just lost slight slightly of and also, like I said at the beginning, the, the plastics weren't quite where I wanted them to be. I didn't want to. I didn't want to dial it up to eleven until I knew we were going to put in stuff that was going to be good this year, next year, five years, and ten years from now. And that's just the rules and the models and everything working together. And I think it just took a, a little while to get all that back into into flow. Yeah, one of the things you said earlier, though, you needed to, you know, you had that moment where you had to a leap of faith where you said, "Hey, I'm going to cut these integrated bases." off these models so they don't have to be Warhammer figures anymore yeah. and they can be Kings of War. Another thing that you're doing now with Leap of Faith is, is STL files. There's not many companies doing it. And obviously the guys shared it at Depticon, you know, you know, upgrade kits and Armada coming to it. But if you want to speak a little bit to the STL files, because that's something that outside of maybe Privateer Press, who is doing it, but they're but they're doing it a different way in that they're not selling you the files. They're, they're selling you the STL prints. Yeah. There's not a lot of companies that are of your size that are doing STL files. Okay, so this is a little bit of a, a, little bit of a brave thing. Well, I realized that there's a few people there that building a halfling army, we are selling you a plastic sprue, which is what we do. We love that. And then we're selling you a bag with an extra head and a weapon option. And you need 10 weapon options and some different weapons so that they look different so your opponent knows they're the two-handed weapon unit. And for us, that resin is very difficult. We, and I'm, I'm going to do a video about the resin process because I did one, I don't know if you saw it when I was um, at, a, at a plastic manufacturing company and I said, right, I'm going to show you how long it takes to make a plastic sprue of ogres. I said, now, unfortunately, I didn't show you the tooling process, which is a really difficult bit, but <laughs> here's the machine, plastic goes in, squeezes together, plastic squeezed in, sprue drops out, here it is. And I think I actually took it and gave it away. At uh, Clash of Kings, someone's got that sprue. Um, when we do the resin process, boy, oh boy, is that a different process. And every single one of these is hand cast in resin, taken out of a mold in silicon and put in a bag. The bag goes in with the sprue, sprue goes in the box. And so instead of paying 25 quid for a regiment, you pay 35, which is an extra 10 pounds of resin. And then you have to buy four of them because that's a, that's a troop and you need, you need a hoard. Because uh, so then suddenly for someone's facing one hundred and forty pounds or one hundred and forty dollars to buy a troop of a rent a horde of they're like Ronnie and I said listen I don't want to do it but it's just painful for me as it is for you how about if I just give you the STLs you know if you've got a subscription you go along download the STLs buy the plastics from us get a whole load of plastic sprues convert them at your leisure you know what well, that sounds kind of cool great. I get out of making the resin. Those that don't do 3D printing, and I'm not sure I'll ever do 3D printing myself, I'll just go along and I'll say, you know what, I'm going to buy the resins. But then it allows us to just sell the resin as a resin thing. You say, look, we know you're going to have plastic sprues. Buy these resin bits. Order them from your local store. They'll be in a little box. They'll arrive a few days later. 
They're not retail packaging. You don't need a retail packaging. You need two handy weapons and heads. So I need to put it in a box. I need it in my range. I can just ship them into you, ship them to you. Those who want to print it, print it. So I think there's a case there where good for the company, good because people are playing. I want them to build their halfling army. I don't particularly want them to give me 140 quid for that unit because I've got to not only finish this resin and ship it all the way around the world. It's not terribly economically um, um, climate friendly either. So there's a whole raft of benefits that, you know, you're building your armies online in your apps. That's really slick. Ellie's doing a good job there. It's getting better and better and better. Armada's going on there. Well, wait a second. I have no plastic tooling on Armada. I have beautiful sculpts. I have an amazing game. I've now got it digitally on an app. Well, you know what? If you live in Uruguay and you want to play with your mates, you now can. Because if you've got a subscription, you can download the boats, you can 3D print them, put them on some MDF, and you can play the game. And so I think we're just going to lean into the ability to allow people to hobby the way they want to hobby. And that's kind of the mantic way, isn't it? You'll hobby your way. Very much we're doing it to support the games we play. So I'm not a, here is a load of miniatures for another game. It could be 40K, it could be D&D. And there's a lot of very successful people out there on Patreon doing that. That isn't what we are. Mantic makes games. We make, hopefully, great games. I just want to facilitate your game playing. I want you to uh, be, make life as easy as, you, as I can for you to do that. And I'm hoping that the STLs can, can, can do some of that. Here's some conversion bits for your terrain, create three trees, you know, and um, here's a unique bit of fun. Here's a Ronnie the Bard sculpt. Go knock yourself out. Um, so, yeah, something we're leaning into, I think we're going to be launching in April along with the companion app, along with our Warhol, which is, actually, I need to shout out about this. A beautiful Spanish company has come to us and um, they've built a tabletop simulator designed perfectly for war games. And they wanted to do Kings of War. And I said, don't do Armada, please. Please do Armada. Um, because there's a lot of people playing. And if you remember during the pandemic with Kings of War, Suddenly the Aussies knew the US guys who knew the UK guys with Dan King and da 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 da. Well, you know, if we know that Armada is a few years behind the size of the Kings of War community, if you build that, everybody that wants to try the game can try it. Everybody that loves playing it can play more. If you're getting ready for a tournament, and it's just, it's been two years since we launched it, so it's about time the tournament starts to kick off. Oh, look, Adepticon, 26 players, sold out overnight, first one to sell out. You know, there's more Armada coming, there's more tournaments coming. So everyone wants to practice, you want to play, you might not have a local game group that's doing it. So you go on to Warhol. The boats look amazing. It's exactly the game. Can you download, can you build your fleet in the companion app, send it over to the Warhol and it build it for you? Oh, yes, you can. Holy crap. All of a sudden, you're sat there going, right, I'm going to play, this is my tournament army. That guy didn't really perform. I'm going to change my ornament. I'm going to report it. Let's play again. And so, you know, joy of joys. You can play with Steve Hildrew whenever you want. Yeah, sorry. Okay, that was a bad joke. <laughs> yeah, you can play with people like you like whenever you want. Any individuals except Steve Hildrew, whenever you want. And it's just it's beautiful. It looks fantastic. The guys have done it because it's a nice, straightforward, slick game. It's there. So all this stuff is is really coming. And it's it's kind of that quasi-digital, but enabling rather than replacing, rather than, you know, fundamentally, I want you to be buying, you know, a big sprues of plastics, building that. They're dead easy. You have to fanny around printing it and printing it and printing it. Click, done. Here's a couple of heroes. Do you want them 
STLs or do you want to just buy them and they're, they're there for you? Uh, here's some models that are really difficult for us to print. Uh, here you are, print me cells. It's just about ex- making the game accessible to however you want to engage in it, right? And to be fair, you're, you don't want to sell big chunks of resin, but unfortunately, the economies of scale as they are, sometimes you don't have models that you can afford to tool up in plastic. Correct. Even the big guys are only just getting past the like, I only have one hero in my army and there's three choices and we can't do all three. So I just can't do plastics on those. As, as things change, I'm sure we'll get more and more and it'll go that way. And they go, there's that stuff. And then here's the alternate heads. Here's the alternate weapons. Here's the other stuff that enables it. Um, and on that, if you're signed up to our newsletter, uh, which I'm sure many of you listeners are, but if you've unsubscribed, or if you're signed up uh, over the next couple of weeks, so go and do it now. You will be in time. We are going to give everybody, every subscriber, uh, a link to two boats. When we go with the STLs, she's going to be able to go over and uh, download two boats. I think... It's the Orcs and the Basileans, but it might be the Dwarfs and the Empire of Dust. So don't quote me, but I'm definitely giving you one goodie and one baddie. And so even if you don't ever play the game, if you, you know, painting a boat is good fun. It's something different and you'll have a load of fun with it and you can stick it on a diorama and a few lunatics have blown it up to be very big as well. There's a few. There's a few out there that are, that are nuts. Clive Stone has already built two 28 mil boats from the files and, uh, you know, they're now you know gathering dust in the corner of his house. But he realized that if he built the, the dictator was going to be six foot long if he'd printed his out at, uh, at 28 mil. So he did the frigate and the other one. And that's what happens with these crazy 3D printing guys. I, I love their enthusiasm. And I think them going, no, no, I, I want to play the game. I'm ready to play Armada. I'll subscribe. I'll download these. I'll paint these up, and I'll take and I'll and I'll and I'll take this game on. I think it'd be great fun. So it opens up to a whole new audience that maybe you know I don't buy models anymore. I only print them. Great. And I think uh, Scott over on the west coast has to. Uh, I think he's Scott much- Holcomb. Yeah, Scott yeah. Holcomb. Yeah. Scott was badgering me about this. So Scott, I expect to see you subscribing on day one, young man. You'd better be there. Yeah, all of a sudden there's a there's a whole lot of crazies of which Scott is my number one crazy because he was in my ear about it saying, look, you've got to look at this. And we did and we, I think, picked a route that's good for the gamer and will work for Mantic. It will help more people play more of our games more often. Bizarre. It will, uh, you know, um, enable them to affordably build their armies. Back to Dungeon Saga Origins. Are we going to get any resin sculpts of some of the heroes maybe? Yeah, I think so. So they're, they're fighting me slightly, but I think that the four you'd love to paint and you also might want multiples because, hey, you, all of you guys can paint Olaf. All of you can paint Madriga. You can have your own, um, which isn't feasible to give them that in plastic and kind of like, how do you do it? So, but those, so we'll have those. And we've actually got four sculpts of the heroes when they're kind of less heroic. And we, when we originally sculpted them, they were like, well, they're getting started. So we literally sculpted them kind of getting started. But then when I said, yeah, but actually for the retail edition, I want to, I want, the kid that picks up or the, the the gaming buddy that picks it up, you want the hit dwarf just like, oh, here I am. I'm, here's my hammer. I'm like, I'm the mm-hmm. business. You want the, you want all have to have a massive axe. He's got to be swinging. He's got to look absolutely ripped. You know, Madriga has to be flying through the air, unleashing an arrow. So I actually made him re-sculpt everything and say, okay, do him twice. Do the legend. I do the one that like, you just can't not, 
go crazy for. But then also in those first adventures, you've got the ones that you go, well, actually, this is the first adventure. I don't have full plate mail. <laughs> and I've actually only got one shot. So we've got a few little fun heroes. I don't think we'll do the the monsters because there's just no need. We'll just have another bag. The quality of the plastics is stunning. You know, it, it's just unnecessary. Um, but the heroes, who doesn't want to put Olaf in a hero? Who doesn't want to put him in their Northern Alliance army? You know, who do, I'm going to have the dwarf in one of my dwarf armies. Of course I can. Yeah, he's on a round base. I'll clip him off. It'll take two seconds and away we go. So we will we will unlock those as some of the add-ons. You know, you'll be able to add some terrain. I said there's the, there's the dungeon screen and a few little bits that you don't need, but you might want. Uh, and some sci-fi and some yeah, resin heroes and some bags of extra bags of undead because you you can just dot the zombies into your zombie regiment. You can add the revenants to your revenant regiments. And it, nice hero unit leader and things like that. Exciting. Yeah, sounds awesome. I mean, it's coming uh, just it's, when you're hearing this is it's tomorrow. Yeah, clock UK time. So coffee on the west coast. You know, mid morning snack in the uh, in the Midwest and. Probably nearly lunchtime and not quite lunchtime. No, you know, 10 o'clock, somewhere between 6 and 10 o'clock in the US AM on Thursday. Please join us online. We'd love to see you there. One final question. When the zombie apocalypse hits, which of your games are you taking with you? Which Mantic games? Yeah, which Mantic game are you taking with you when the, when you're running from your house and the zombies are coming? Which one do you take? So, so okay, so that's a, that's a tough one. Do I get, can I like have three, like a different level? Just one. Can only have one. 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 So, because it's the zombie apocalypse, you've got infinite time. The temptation is something like Kings of War. But the problem with Kings of War is do other people want to do it? So I'd step back one and I'd then go, you know, hilariously join the apocalypse. Uh, the last time around, the pandemic, we sold out all of our Walking Dead stock. Everybody started playing a uh, end of the world game when the world ended, which was quite funny. So uh, so I think something a bit more skirmishy with more playability, so more people can learn and learn quickly. So I'd probably be leaning into Dead Zone. But how much do you play? Well, I could do, I like the scenery. I like building scenery. So that's kind of, I built two Dead Zone boards now. One one complete, one incomplete, including a few full cafeteria. cafeteria. So it's hard. You know, they can you do the dungeon because then everyone can play, but is there enough playability? So probably between Dead Zone and Kings of War, and it'd probably be Dead Zone. Well, I appreciate the time, Ronnie. It's been uh, great chatting with you. It's been my utter pleasure. Thank you very much for allowing me to... Um, uh, rabbit on and rant and rave about my uh, passions and what we're doing. Well, we're excited to see Dungeon Saga Origins on Kickstarter on March 30th. Fingers crossed. Let's let's hit a million dollars. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? That would be lovely. That would be great fun. Well, cheers. I appreciate the time, Ronnie. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. And thank you for running your wonderful podcast. It's I, I listen to it all the time and I, and I know my guys listen to it and we we get feedback and, um, you know, I like the way you take the mick out of Steve Hildrew and Matt Crodger as well and uh, all of those travel courses. So, no, it's, 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 it's great what you're doing. It, it binds the community together. So, please do keep it up. We love it. Appreciate that. So, until next time, keep counter charging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on countercharge please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on twitter at countercharge15 or by commenting on the countercharge kings of war podcast facebook group 
If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.